Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of Psalms. We are in Psalm chapter 22 this week as Pastor Joel brings his message, The Song of the Cross. All right, he is risen. Uh, Children, you can be dismissed to Children's Church if they're not already gone. I think I don't see many children, but I don't want them to miss the opportunity. So if children uh, age first through fifth grade, if you want to go down, you don't have to, uh, but if you want to go down, you can. There's some stuff uh, for the kids down there, but you're welcome to stay here. And if, you, if you're here, we have a great message. Uh, so I'm really excited. My name is Joel Woodard. I'm the pastor here. Uh, for those of you who are visiting or friends or family of people here, we're just glad you're here. Uh, we're just glad you're here today, and we get to celebrate this together uh, with you. Um, we, today we celebrate the resurrection, no surprise. Uh, we're celebrating the resurrection. We gather as a community of, uh, of people who follow after Jesus. We gather every week. It's almost like uh, on a Sunday, it's like a mini resurrection every week. As we live throughout the week, giving of ourselves, and on Sunday... Uh, the day that remembers the resurrection of Jesus, that's when we gather together again. So the, the resurrection is so important for us. It, it changed everything. Uh, but actually, that's going to be the end of our message today. Where I want to begin the message is actually with the words of Jesus on the cross. Uh, as he uh, began to sing a song on the cross. In Psalm 22, you'll find the words of uh, that Jesus spoke on the cross. If you want to look at that up in your Bible, Psalm 22. If you have, don't have a Bible and you came here and you need a Bible, there's a Bible in the, in the pew there. Just take that home. That's our gift to you. It's on page 427, uh, Psalm 22. That's going to be our central text for the message this morning, Psalm 22. And you might be wondering, well, that's odd to have an Old Testament passage as a resurrection Easter uh, sermon text. But let me comfort you a little bit and say that church fathers for hundreds of years preached Psalm 22 on the resurrection. I don't know if you're aware of that. Psalm 22 was the go-to passage for Easter services for hundreds of years. And I hope by the end of the sermon today, you'll understand why. Uh, You might recognize these words uh, from the gospel accounts of Matthew or or Mark as Jesus is on the cross and he he quotes from this psalm. Psalm 22 and verse 1. Would you mind just standing as I read this, this verse? Psalm 22 and verse 1. It says, My God... My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? You can go ahead and have a seat. If this psalm stopped there at the very first line, this would be a a sad, tragic song. But songs, as you know, are meant to be sung all the way through. They're not meant to stop in 
in between uh, until the ending of it. And don't you even hate it? I, I, I don't like it when people, I'm listening to a song and they change the channel or they skip to another song. It's almost offensive. There's sometimes I even get into my driveway and I'm listening to a song, maybe from my childhood, and it, I'm just grooving to the beat and I get to the driveway and I don't even stop the car because I need to listen to the end of the song. Do you, any of you guys do that? I totally do that. Because songs are meant to be sung and played and listened to in the entirety. Songs, they take you on a journey. This song, Psalm 22, it starts with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you got to keep listening to the song. you got to keep listening to realize that God in this song is right there. He hasn't forsaken him. He hasn't lost sight of him. In the pain and the chaos of, of what, will, what will be explained in this song are, are these words at, as you get towards the end of it. In verse 21, the second half of it, it says, You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And then on down in 24, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him, when Jesus cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalm goes on to say he didn't hide his face from him. He didn't forsake him. God was right there. God answered him. Psalm 22 begins as a sad, tragic song, but ends with shouts of victory. It goes from, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To he has heard my cry. It goes from the cross to the empty tomb. It goes from death to life. It goes from sorrow to victory. And that's the song we're going to listen to today. So let's pray. Lord, as we come to this most beloved psalm that has been preached on this day, when we celebrate and remember your resurrection, Lord, I pray that you would bring us from that point of confusion and lost and tribulation and wondering where you are to, Lord, meeting us right where we're at that we can see the power of the resurrection and the victory and the triumph that we can have because of your son Jesus, who conquered the grave, who rose again and lives and is seated at the right hand of the Father and is king over all the nations. Lord, would you give us just a glimpse, just a taste of that victory in the few moments this morning that we spend in your word. So Lord, open our eyes so we can see, open our ears so we can hear. Soften our hearts so we can understand. And that would the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get to this song of, on the cross, I actually want to set the message up uh, today by, by telling you uh, of a time I had to choose to continue singing a song. Uh, and not just not just stop in the middle of it. Uh, we were called, my wife and I were called uh, by the Lord to go to, as missionaries to Slovenia. Uh, it's a country over in Eastern Europe. We went over there to, uh, to live and work among the people. We left family and friends, uh, learned a language, lived in a new place. Uh, it, it was all very um, odd, but all of it for the opportunity to share with people about Jesus. Uh, a year and a half went by, and we just felt the Lord's blessing on our life uh, because uh, we had seen the two, only two evangelical churches uh, in the city of Murska Sobota in, uh, in this, the country of Slovenia. The only two evangelical churches actually get together and do an English camp together. And we had over 100 kids 
uh, from this small town together. We had people, like these young people, for the first time giving their life to Jesus. Uh, we saw movement of the Spirit in this place, and we were like, this is so awesome. At the same time, my wife uh, was pregnant, and we were expecting our first. And we were just like, man, the Lord is blessing us and moving. Finally, after all these years of preparation, boy, the Lord is just, just shining his face on us. Uh, it was shortly after that. It was actually only a couple weeks after that English camp that we did with all of those youth uh, that the small church that we were a part of, it was about 30, 40 people. Uh, it was basically friends and family. We went through a, just a nasty, ugly church split. Uh, there was something they couldn't reconcile between themselves. And much like families, they're, they're hard. Uh, and the church split, and it left us in the middle. Uh, after a year and a half of pouring our life and giving up everything to tell these people about Jesus and live with them, uh, we found ourselves in the middle of having to make a decision. We're going to go for this side or this side, and either side we lost. It's a small town. Everyone knew everybody. People would walk on the opposite sides of the streets from each other uh, in the splits. It was, it was just horrible. Uh, the missions organization we were with, the leadership, uh, actually suggested to us, I think it's time that you leave there and start a new work somewhere else. So after only you know, less than two years of living in a place, we had to start packing up our belongings again to go somewhere, another place that was new. Uh, after that church split, it was only a couple weeks later that we found out that um, Amy had lost the baby. It was in that moment that I'm walking around Moskosobata going, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? It felt like he, he said, I want you to go there, and we're blessing. And then all of a sudden, it was like he just abandoned us. And we're like, Lord, where are you in this? What's going on? I could not see anything in the future. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's going on and what you're doing in our lives. It was just a little while after that that we went to, uh, we had a conference with our mission organization, be around lots of missionaries and friends and family. It was a, it was a healing time. And we had to get together and have meetings similar to this. And just like meetings like this, uh, we started with songs. And there was a song that was sung that I remember having to stop and listen to the words and going, am I going to stop singing? Uh, here's, here's the song. You, you might know it. Uh, Blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. That's the easy time to sing it. That's the time we're like, yes, blessed be your name. Seems like everything is going well. Blessed be your name, Lord. Here's the second verse. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And then there's a refrain that goes, you give and take away. You give and take away. I remember in that conference room, sitting there and I stopped singing and listened to the words, you give and take away. What do I believe about the Lord right now? Will I, will I choose to keep singing even in the pain and the chaos, or would I stop because of the hurt and confusion? The, the song goes on and says, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. My heart will choose to trust you and continue listening to the song, to continue singing, to trust in the Lord. In that moment, we couldn't see the future. 
but we chose to continue listening to the song, to keep, keep singing the song, to trust in Jesus, and that's made all the difference. At that moment, we couldn't see it, but now from this vantage point, looking back over those 20 years, I can say the Lord was right there. He, he didn't forsake us. He was working in the darkness and confusion of those days. I can look back and see, man, he led us so perfectly, so gently, so tenderly to the place we're at now. We can say praise his name. But in that moment, I ha- we had to distrust him. We could look back and see, but in that moment, we couldn't see the way ahead. Now, in the same way that in that moment, I could look back and see how God was working in the darkness and chaos. Today, we're going to hear the psalm the song in Psalm 22, the song of the cross. And we're going to see that God is at work for your good, even in the darkness and chaos. God's at work. When it feels hopeless, confusing, chaotic, the encouragement this morning is to listen to the end of the song. It's not over with. The song's not done. You might might be here this morning thinking, yeah, that's, that's good for you. I'm sure God works for good for you, but you don't know my life. I've really messed up. I've messed up more than you'll ever know, Joel. And I don't think God is working in my life for good. I think he's abandoned me. I don't think I'm good enough. Or maybe you're here and you only hear that first line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that just rolls over and over in your heart because the pain is so deep. How can you trust that the Lord is working for your good, even in the mess and the darkness? This brings us back to the text today. As we sing the whole song, we listen to the whole song of Psalm 22, from the beginning to the end, and it's going to be this messy, honest, raw emotions that are going to take us on this journey. There'll be times where it feels confusing, it feels like just this emotional dump, it's, it'll be fuzzy, what's really happening here? It feels like if you just read it, you're like, there's no purpose. He's just, he's, just, uh, he's just downloading everything he's feeling. But underneath all these emotions, in, in the midst, in the fabric of this Psalm 22, there is such a beautiful design and a purpose that reveals the heart of, of the author of this is, is not like groping in the dark, looking for an answer. He's allowing the spirit to lead him through the darkness and the chaos uh, t- to see the triumph and the victory in Jesus. He, he knows God is at work even when I can't see it. So we're going to look at, at this song, and it's actually divided into three stanzas. So it's about 30, 30 verses, 31 verses, and each, verse has, each stanza has about 10 verses. I'm telling you, this is beautifully organized. If we had a couple hours, I could show you how it's all connected together, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but I'm just going to show you a few of the, of the, larger, uh, the larger things that you can see. The, the, stanza, the first stanza, uh, I'm, the first stanza is all about the tension of the author. It's going to go back and forth on what he feels and what he knows, what he feels and what he knows. And he's holding both of these things, and he can't get them together, what he feels and what he knows. Uh, stanza two is all about the trial. When troubles and, and uh, tribulations come, uh, this guy's having to choose what he's going to put his trust in. The, the tension's there. The trial's come, and it's going to reveal which way he's going to go. And then finally, we get to stanza three, and that's the triumph. And as suddenly as the resurrection or a lightning bolt, the, the song, we're going to be going along, all of a sudden the song is going to change. And, and it goes from the sorrow, confusion, to victory and triumph. So we have the tension, the trial, and the triumph. 
And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter where you're at, no matter what stanza you resonate with, listen to the whole song. Don't stop. Don't change the channel. Don't skip it. Listen to the whole song, this journey from death to resurrection. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, let's do it then. Number, stanza number one is the tension, what he feels and what he knows. Uh, listen to this, Psalm 22. This is the, just above the verse. This was in the original uh, writings, though. It's a super, superscript. Uh, Psalm 22, to the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. Right away we know this is a song. It's meant to be sung. It's meant to be sung in an entirety. I don't know what the doe of the dawn was like, but it sounds pretty. Uh, we've lost the melody over time, so I'm not going to try and sing it. Uh, but I imagine, much like songs today, it went through different uh, rhythms and beats, where it was a little bit more roast at the beginning to the triumphal entry at the end. So, so let's read Psalm 22 and verse 1, the tension. You'll, you'll feel them go back and forth. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet, you're holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I'm a worm. I'm not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me, they mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet, you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. I'll stop right there. This first stanza, it, it, it feels uh, so back and forth, but it's all held together by the, the first two words and the very last two words. The, the first two words are my God, and the last two words are my God. Whatever he says in the middle is all surrounded and, and closed in together by this personal relationship with the divine. My God. And because of that, there's this invitation to an honest expression of how you're feeling. God's not shocked by how this author's feeling. He, he's, not, he's not perplexed like, oh, I didn't know that. He's inviting it in like a dad with a kid. Tell me, my God, my God. You'll see on the stanza, there's four parts. And parts one and parts three are really the complaints. And parts two and parts four are the confidence, the statement of confidence. He complains, and then he has this confidence. Complains, and then has this confidence. He, he talks about, this is how I feel. And then right in the next thing, he's like, yeah, this is what I know. This is how I feel. This is what I know. This is how I feel. This is what I know. Part one. He says, I feel all alone. I feel, I feel forsaken. And really, not even as much like God's far away, but that God's not acting. He's not doing something. Uh, he even gets to the end of it and says, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm, there's groaning inside of me. Uh, this groaning is like, uh, Lord, I don't even know what to pray and ask for any, anymore. And it's day and night. Have you ever felt that way? 
I mean, honestly, I know we're in church, but honestly, have you, have you ever felt like God's just abandoned you? Like you pray and the ceiling is so low, your prayers just keep bouncing off of them? Have you ever felt like overwhelmed by life, our society, politics, bills, family issues? Have you ever just felt so overwhelmed and burdened in the mess of life? And you're like, God, where are you? Where are you at? Part two. He says, yet, I know you answered the prayers of those who have gone before me. People that have lived life with you, Lord, they were in their distress, they called out, and you rescued them. They, they trusted you, and you saved them. Maybe for you, you can say that. Yeah, I've seen it. And my grandparents, who so faithfully walked with the Lord no matter what, and had the peace in their life, God was good to them. Maybe you see it in your friends or your family that you're even visiting today. You see something different in them. God is good and really cares for them, it seems. You know God's powerful enough to intervene and do something. He's working. I can, you can see it in people around you. Part three, I know God's good, but I know I'm not. I'm, I'm the worst. I mean, if anyone really knew who I was in here, you wouldn't allow me to be here. If you really knew what my past was, you would, you'd make fun of me. You would reject me. And even me being here, I think it's almost like they're going to mock the Lord because of, because of me. Hey, oh, you trust in God now? Huh, let's see God answer you and do something for you. You say, I know God is good. I know he's answered other people, but I sure don't feel it, and I don't know how good I am. Part four. Yet, he says, I can look back and see how everything in my life has led me to this point. That God has instilled this trust and this innocent faith in me even since my childhood. When I couldn't feed myself and the Lord used other people to, to feed me and to grow me up, He's led me right to this spot today to be in Hollyview Church. And you may not understand why, but you know God is doing something and so you're left there in this tension of what you feel and what you know. And you're asking, well, what, what do I believe? How do I know what is true? Is it what, I, is it what I feel or is it what I know? Where am I supposed to go? What do you believe? Well, the song's not over with yet. That's where we get to stanza two. You have the tension of what I feel and what I know, and that leads us to the trials that will then reveal what it is that we trust. The trials of stanza two. You can follow along with me in verse 11. We start stanza two. It says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breasts. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. 
You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. We'll stop right there with the second stanza. Uh, We see even in this, there is this beautiful and purposeful design. What feels like chaotic and darkness is actually leading us somewhere. And, And you see how it comes together from the first line of, be not far from me. And then you see that line again in verse 19. O Lord, do not be far off. It's interesting to note that the the writer, the singer of this doesn't pray, Lord, take all these things away. Remove my circumstances. Remove all the difficulties. Instead, he says, Lord, I just want you to be near. Lord, be be with me in this circumstance, this trial, this tribulation. It's, It's almost like he's saying, not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. But Lord, don't abandon me. Come near me. Be right there with me. Because in these trials, when they come, they reveal what you trust. Whether you trust yourself, your strength, your, your income, your expertise, whatever you're going to trust, or if you're going to trust in the Lord, your own strength or God. And, and the singer of this song, he, he actually uh, describes his death in this. It's a little weird because it's poetic and it also involves animals, and we don't often think of animals as killing us, but... Uh, I think back then they would have thought of these things as a progression of of death. He says, bulls surround me, strong bulls, all of them with these horns on them, these horns that were were meant to poke and pierce like a sword. And and then then all of a sudden these, these bulls have like big mouths open, but they're not bulls anymore, they're lions, and their lions are biting. Now, if you were a shepherd in that time period and you saw a lion coming, biting something, it would mean certain death. A lion's bite is not like, oh, this is, this is uncomfortable. This is death. <laughs> if you were a sheep and you saw a lion biting you, you, you would know your death had come. And, and then dogs come along. And those dogs are scavengers. They're not like uh, our little black lab at home, Jack. These are scavenger dogs who are eating the flesh off of the bones. They're, they're coming along after the death, and they're getting everything they can. They're picking it all off. And, and, and this singer, he's like, I've got nothing left. Even in, even in death, I've given it all. And it's not even the exterior circumstances that it, that's having problems with. He's like, interior, my heart, like wax is being melted. It's like his organs are all failing. We're looking at the scene, this poetic scene of this guy is dying. But even in death, you can almost see uh, the singer of the psalm looking up to the Lord. And going, don't be far off. I'm experiencing all of this trial and tribulation and darkness and chaos. And I don't know what the future holds, but I'm trusting in you, Lord. Don't be far off. I trust in you. Trials reveal where you place your trust. And even in dying, this guy trusts in the Lord. But the song's not over yet. It's not finished There's a third stanza. 
The third stanza is the stanza of triumph, of victory. As fast as lightning flashes, as sudden as the resurrection, the song changes. It's like the, the beat drops and the whole thing changes in the middle of one of our verses. It goes from helpless to secure. He goes from death to life in the middle of a verse. Verse 21b, follow along with me. Before, he says, rescue me, save me, deliver me. Verse 21b says this, you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. You've rescued me. It's done. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offsprings of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Let me read that again. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He's seen him. He was there with him. It's not outside of God's control or power. God has his purpose and design. He has not hidden his face from him. But he heard when he cried to him. When did he cry? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he looks back and goes, he didn't forsake me. He was right there. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord, Yahweh. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. It's like everyone's coming together in this great celebration of the resurrection. And all the families of the, uh, families of the nation shall worship before you. Your kingship belongs to Yahweh, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive. The one who was laid down in the dust of death. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That was us. To proclaim to us that he has done it. He's done it. Or you could translate that in Hebrew as well. It is finished. The song is over. You might remember those words as the last words of Jesus on the cross when he cries out and gives his last breath and says, it is finished. The song is over. It's complete. There's victory. He has triumphed over death and defeated sin. And so we usher into this third stanza of triumph. Triumph of the one who is laid down in the dust of death. Trust in God and now sees the victory. Three days after Jesus died on the cross, he was resurrected, and he appeared to his brothers and his sisters. Uh, and in one of those places, he appears in this room, and he opens uh, like this Bible study with them to, to show them who he was. And he opens uh, what, we, what we consider the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, to them and says, look how everything was pointing to me. And one of the things he says very specifically, it says, and he opened to them the Psalms. 
to show them who Jesus was. Wouldn't you have liked to have been in that room when he opened the Psalms on the, on the resurrection day? I would. I would love to be there as he would go through the Psalm. Now just imagine with me what it would have been like to be a, a brother or sister that hoped in the Lord and had this, this confusion, this chaos, this darkness on this Friday night and Saturday, and then Jesus shows up and he's like, let me show you something, guys. And he turns to Psalm 22. And he walks through that, and their eyes are open. This is you. You said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I heard that on the cross. They wagged their heads at you. I remember that. They divided your clothes up. They were casting lots for it. I remember that. They even said, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him. I remember that. It's just like he said. Then Jesus, singing this song, this Hebrew song that I'm sure Yoel could sing for us today in Hebrew, he gets to the third stanza of the song and the beat. It's the song of triumph, this, this testimony of triumph. And he says to them, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation." And I can see Jesus looking up and smiling because he's telling of the name of the Lord to his brothers. It's the resurrection. And they see it and they get it. The writer of Hebrews also connects Psalm 22 to the resurrection of Jesus as well. Let me, let me read it for you. Hebrews 2 and verse 10 says, For it is fitting that he, Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, or whole, complete. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. You see, when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had in mind the whole song. And the whole song is not sad and despairing. The whole song is about the triumph of the resurrection of Jesus. And as he shares that with his brothers and sisters after the resurrection, I can only imagine the eyes being opened and them seeing it. That's the hope that allows us to walk through the darkness and chaos of this world now. That's the hope, the trust that we have, that even though we don't see what's ahead, we can look back and go, God was at work in our chaos, our struggles, our pain, all along for our good, for those who trust in him. The hope of the resurrection in Jesus. You know, this psalm was actually written a thousand years before Jesus uh, was crucified on the cross. A thousand years before David, full of the Spirit, prophesies about this exact moment and gives us a song to sing. He gives us a roadmap into the darkness. When we get to the third stanza, the resurrection, we experience everything that the third stanza offers to us. And if we had time, we'd unpack it, but it gives us new life. It gives us position, a role in the kingdom of God. It gives us satisfaction, sanctification, a united family, all nations, no wars anymore, peace. We have belonging. We have purpose. We have hope. We have eternity. For those who believe who believe God in their heart and confess him with their mouth. For, for those who just keep singing the song, even though you don't know what the day ahead is going to be like.
Even when it feels like the whole world's falling down and you don't know who to trust in, keep listening to the song. Because if you're alive today, if you have breath in your lungs, your song is not done. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you're able to pick back up and sing the song of resurrection. The offer is on hand to each one of you today. Keep listening to the song. It's not over with yet. In the resurrection at the end, God's going to make everything back to the way it should be. The new heavens, the new earth, the, the kingdom of God here on earth, living as we should because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And if, if that's you this morning and you, you haven't, uh, maybe you're just in the tension point and you're like, yeah, I don't know what I think and I, I feel this way, but I don't know enough to even des- decide. I, I would just encourage you, keep reading. Uh, keep seeking those out who do know you. Ask questions. Grapple with it. Because when those trials come, Lord, uh, it's, it's going to reveal what they trust. And Lord, if there's anyone here who, who this morning needs to go, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow after him. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I, I pray that they would, uh, they would just pray after me and find someone even after the service and say, I, I've given my life to Jesus. You can just pray, just a simple prayer like this, Lord, uh, you are king of the universe. Lord, I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. And because of that sin, I stand as an enemy of you. But Lord, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, I find my uh, death in his death and my life in his life, that the resurrection of Jesus would be, uh, would be crowded, accredited to me, that I could live a resurrected life today. And if you pray that, it's just the first of many steps. As a journey of listening and praying the Psalms and worshiping Jesus uh, through your life. And Lord, as we, uh, a lot of us I know, have done that. We've come to you, Lord. We've given our lives to you. But how often the other music in this world, the other songs distract us. Or, or because of some pain or confusion, we stop singing. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would begin to once again put our faith in you. It doesn't matter that we can't see uh, the, days that, the days ahead and what lies ahead. Even in that darkness, Lord, I know you're working for our good to those who trust in you. So, Lord, I pray that we would uh, now, as we respond in worship, that our hearts would sing and we would feel uh, your mercy and grace at the cross. And we'd feel your power and authority through the resurrection. Lord, would you give us hope this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.